we've been doing this series about tuning in to God, this idea that God speaks to us more than we might imagine in a whole range of ways. And it's been encouraging to hear some of you get back to us and say, this is what you feel God might be saying to you at this time. Stories about how you're becoming more attuned to what God is doing or just more alert or very specific things that you feel God has spoken to you about over the weeks. On Thursday night in our house group, we were chatting about how we were used with one another. We were reflecting on Steve's sermon from last week about prophecy. And we were thinking that in some ways, it can feel like only certain people do that. But actually, our experiences is probably happening much more often than we might ever imagine. That God is using one another to speak into our lives. And that we're hearing from him. And he is speaking to us. But how do you make sense when circumstances, that's the one I want to look at. How do you make sense of what God is doing in the midst of circumstance? One of the things that we felt at the last prayer and prophecy evening, it was just that, in one sense, an obvious thing to say, but it was just came with a force that was a renewed force of two things. Firstly, that we are surrounded by God's love and his goodness. We were using one of the, um, the passages from the Song of Solomon that talks about his banner over us being love. And that we, together as a people, it's kind of like God just puts his banner over the whole of us and says, it's love from beginning to end for all of us. It's kind of like if you could look up at the, ceil- look up at the ceiling, the big vaulted ceiling, and you could imagine... That vaulted ceiling would just say, you're loved. It's kind of like you come into a space and you're told that again. And the second thing is related to that is you are incredibly precious to him. You are incredibly precious to him. But life sometimes can work in such a way that you wonder, well, what's going on? And how do you make sense of life when you're not sure what's actually happening? When you've got decisions to make or when you wish you could have decisions? And I want to just reflect for a few minutes this morning on how do you tune into the circumstances that are happening in and around your life? But we're going to begin by reading from Acts chapter 16. And uh, I'm going to ask Pat to come and read for us. The reading is from Acts chapter 16. Verses 6 to 10, Paul's vision of the man of Macedonia. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel 
to them. Thanks, Pat. Short, short reading. Let me tell you a little bit about where this happened. And I tell you this not just for the sake of it, but actually to remind you that all of the work that God does with us, all of the speech that God makes towards us, all of the things of salvation happen in real places. Now, I recognize this map is smaller even than Steve's uh, slides from last week. But hopefully you can see the, the countries. Turkey. So here you've got Israel, Lebanon, Syria, Cyprus. This is what we would call Turkey now. And you've got Greece and then Italy. So you've just got the idea. Most of the New Testament happens in this area. Okay, so that's sort of from Israel up to what we would call Turkey, all the way to Greece, all the way to Italy. That's the New Testament setting. So where were Paul and his companions at that story that Pat was just telling us about? Well, they were here. All right, so just put your, it's around here, there. Can you see it? So that's where they were. What they'd done is they'd come from Israel. They'd gone along the top. There, my pointer isn't working. Yes, it is. There. They'd gone up the top. They'd walked along the roads there. They'd got to here. And there, there. there's their footsteps. And that's where they'd got to. And they aimed to go north. Because what they probably were thinking of doing was going north and then doing a loop back down to Israel. Paul had been around this area a lot in these cities. And there were churches in these cities. And they got there and they couldn't go west. The spirit of Jesus stopped them going west. And they couldn't go north because the Holy Spirit stopped them. They couldn't go west towards Ephesus. And they couldn't go north, and they were left wondering, what is God doing? God's clearly brought them to a place where he's halted them, but what does God want next? And I kind of, without wanting to sort of press it home too much, want to suggest that sometimes you face the same feeling. I kind of thought I knew what God wanted me to do, and I got to a point, and now I'm not sure. Because it feels like doors are closing. And what do I do then? Well, I want to suggest three things that the scriptures would suggest we do when we're not sure. In some ways, this is mostly appropriate, this sermon is mostly appropriate to that sort of middle-age uncertainty of what do I do next? Some people used to call it a midlife crisis and men used to buy motorbikes and stuff like that to try and deal with a midlife crisis because we're not sure what life's hitting us with. I suspect it's got nothing to do with midlife because I think people in their 20s have this feeling. What, must I, what can I do next? I think people in their 40s have this feeling. And actually, I think people in their 60s plus have this feeling. What do I do now when I feel like doors are closing? What does God want of me and how do I make sense? I want to say three really simple things. I will come back to the story of Paul and his companions by the end. That's where they end up. Okay, so here's the first thing. 
When life is unclear, the first thing you need to do is to ask, but what are you asking for? The norm about working out how to live a life before God is not actually always to be asking for guidance. Now, I know this is controversial and some of you might disagree with me. But actually, I think the primary thing you ask for is not, God, show me what to do. But the primary thing is to ask for wisdom. I think that's the norm. That actually most of our life is not about God giving us very specific guidance, but actually what we want are lives that are built upon a firm foundation of wisdom. If you lack wisdom, James says, ask for it. God gives generously to all without finding fault, and it'll be given to you. What's the right way to live in normal days? What are the decisions that you should take? What are the choices you should make? How do you make good choices? And sometimes it's kind of like, God, what I need is wisdom to know how to do that. And we build our lives together on wisdom. Sometimes it's the obvious. It's not unspiritual. It's actually the norm. When Paul was doing his, um, his missionary journeys... He went to all of these cities, Philippi, Thessalonica, Athens, Corinth, Ephesus, Jerusalem, and Rome. Why? Because they were the major cities. I'm certain that Paul sensed the hand of God on his life as he went. But actually, most of the time, he just went to the next place. And he went to the places where people were. And he went to the places where crossroads were. And he went to places where actually he knew the gospel would be able to spread. And he planted churches in obvious places. This is why in that passage that Pat read from, it was so unusual. Because Paul's experience had been, I go to the next place. I do the next obvious thing. Because actually, what Paul was, was a man who wanted the gospel to get out. How do you do that? Go to the next place. Go to the big cities. He didn't actually spend a lot of time in villages or in very small towns. He went to big cities. There are times when you're unclear about what you want to do with your life. You wonder, what should I do? And I want to say, this doesn't sound very encouraging to some of you. Your first priorities are wisdom to know if you have a family, what's your responsibility there? I've met too many Christians who come and say, I want to do something big for God, but they don't take their family into account. Take your family into account first. If you've got a job... Your first place of ministry is there. And you and I both know that workplaces are not the easiest of places to be. Sometimes you're asking God, God, can you give me something new to do? Because actually you're just bored or you hate where you are or it's just too heavy. And, there's all, and there are times where actually you pray for a new job because actually the place you're at is in a toxic situation. But there's a sense in which what's wisdom in work? You're already there. And sometimes you can't leapfrog where you already are to where you want to be. You've got to actually go, how do I minister here in this place? 
It's about your responsibilities you've taken on. When you say yes to things, keep your word. Keep making tea and coffee. We, we know that feeling though, don't we? You probably have met people who today they'll say, I will. And then three weeks later, the Lord's told me. And let's name it for what it is. Unreliability. Flakiness. An unwillingness to accept the responsibility that you've taken as a first step. Does that sound too harsh? Let's not blame God for too much, eh? Your friends. What do your friends need around you? You're not an island. And your church. And it's kind of like, Lord, on those days where you go, oh, God, I wish I could be somewhere else. The first thing is say, actually, I need wisdom for here. I need wisdom for where I already am. For the norm is that God will give you that wisdom for the place you're already in. The second thing I want to say is, how do you deal with it when you've got a number of good options, any of which you could take? This is personal, um, and some of you know this story before. But uh, I used to work in London. Uh, I, I was still living in Salford, but I used to commute to London. And I worked for a group in London. Some of you know that really well because, uh, yeah, you know it really well. And it became really evident in 2019 to me on a personal level that actually I couldn't do what I was doing in church and continue to work for that group in London because actually I was being stretched too thin and, and my health wasn't that great at that time and I was on the train coming back from F and me and Mags had ta taught much about this and we'd kind of planned what we might do on the basis of wisdom because wisdom was you can't do both Neil <laughs> so we'd kind of begun to work our way towards a plan about what we might do and uh there was a day in March 2019 when I was on the train coming home. And by the time I got to Stockport, I'd answered some questions that I felt God had asked me. The fundamental question that God asked me is, what do you want to do, Neil? I felt God say to me this. This is a very personal story, but it's my story. I felt God say to me, you can serve me really well at LICC. And that'd be great. You can serve me well in the church. And that'll be great. You can't do both. So what do you want? Now, I grew up in a Christian context of a holiness movement where if God asked you that question, it was a test and he would give you the opposite. I grew up in missionary services where it was like, I don't want to say I never want to be a missionary because that's exactly what God will do. And so I used to double bluff God and say, I'd love to go overseas, knowing that he would never do that for me. It was a very strange relationship I had with the Lord in those days. Some of you have you know, no idea what I'm talking about, and some of you do know exactly what I mean. But it was this really simple question of, what do you want? And I came home and I said to Mags, Maggie, I want to stay here. 
I want to be involved in church. I want to give up London. And she was really surprised. Because she said, oh, you're going to be home more? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sometimes you have good options. And neither of them are wrong. And sometimes you have to say, Lord, this is what I want to do. In Proverbs, you know this well. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. He'll make you pass straight. It's kind of like you're not being rebellious either way. Should I marry this person? What do you want? Should I take this job? What do you want? Should I join this church? Look at the video. What do you want? Because it's not like you're going against what God's desires are. It's like I'm submitting to you, Lord. And I'm trusting you're going to lead me. And then thirdly, when it's unclear, because doors keep closing. Those first two are kind of easy. But what happens when doors keep closing on you? What happens when your best desire seems to hit the closed door? Well, this is the story that we read, isn't it? I want to say very quickly a number of things. The first thing is that when the doors have closed on you and you are left frustrated, God is absolutely, completely committed to your future. And sometimes it's hard to believe that when you feel like you're just hitting closed doors. God was committed to Paul's future because Paul was committed to God. The thing that marks Christians out, one of the things that marks us out should be, is hope. Hope. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, the grave doesn't get the final word. Because of a God who cares for us and loves us, that actually the final circumstance does not have the last word. God is a God of hope who pours hope into our hearts in order that we might live with a future that goes, it's his and it's his for me. Your future is secured in God. God is committed to your personal future. The second thing is, the frustration might be because God's at work. In that short passage we read, that Pat read for us, twice it says, once it says the Holy Spirit closed the door, and the other time it says the Spirit of Jesus closed the door. It's interesting why Luke might have used different expressions, but essentially what he's saying is God closed it. Sometimes some Christians get quick to the devil's closed it. I don't I want to work on the basis that this is true, that God has more power over my future than the enemy does. Paul recognizes, companion of God's closed it down. The reason you're frustrated is because God might be at work. <laughs> Where's God? Paul might and his companions might have been going, we've trekked all this way. What's God doing? God's at work. He's just not doing what you want him to do. Or indeed what you might expect him to do. There is a suggestion that what Paul's initial thought was, and I did allude to it, was 
that he would go west and then he would go north and he would do a loop back to home. It's quite probable that's what he had in mind. It's probable because he'd done it before and it's probable because he knew those churches and those churches knew him. It's probable because it was the best way of using, in Paul's mind, his own understanding. And what God did with Paul and his companions that day is to close down the familiar. Sometimes the reason the door closes on everything that you thought was certain is because everything you thought was certain. Doesn't always happen, but actually, what God sometimes does for some of us in some places at some times is go, I want you to try something new. Now, as Paul and his companions got to that, they had that vision of the man of Macedonia. In a dream, Paul sees this man saying, Come over the water, come to us. And Luke tells us brilliantly the next morning, I'm paraphrasing this bit, Paul told us the vision, and we. We concluded that that's what God was doing. Oh, you can imagine the scene, can't you? They gather for breakfast. Paul goes, I had a dream. Brilliant. What's the dream? The dream is we're going to go over to Greece. Ah. Maybe that's what God wants. We've never been to Greece before. And God opens up a new work in Greece because the familiar has been closed down. Bluntly, Christianity becomes a westernized religion because the familiar was closed. Last couple. There's value in waiting. Part of your frustration sometimes is that God's not on your timetable. He's not working as quick as you would wish. There's value in the waiting. They went to the next possibility, which Troas, and then finally God made it clear. Whether you're in your 20s, or your 40s, or your 60s, or dare I say it, your 80s. I dare say it. Yeah, thank you. The 80s go, you better say it. Here's the thing. There's never a rage when God just goes, I don't really require anything of you. You can't do in your 80s, this is obvious. You can't do in your 80s what you could do in your 20s. But God still wants to use you. There are times in life where actually life changes and actually it's the right thing to do to change what's happening around you. There's times where you're searching for what God wants for you and you're going, oh, it's just frustrating. I can't make head nor tail of it. God is absolutely committed to your future. The frustration may well be because you're relying too much on the familiar and actually a whole new door will open if you're aware of it. It took risk on the part of Paul and his little gang of uh, missionaries They'd never been here before. They didn't know how it was going to be. They get to Philippi and they go and find somewhere to pray and they meet a woman and the woman's called Lydia and then it turns out that she wants to accept Jesus and a church is formed and then they get into a whole stack of trouble and they end up in prison. It would have been easy for them to think we should have gone to the familiar. 
It's not that when God opens doors that things don't sometimes become difficult, but it's that he's led you into this and he's present with you and he will be present through you. It's almost inevitable that with this number of people in the building, with those of you that are watching with us online, there'll be at least some of you go, I'm exactly there, wondering, what should I do next? Ask for wisdom. Do the right thing where you are. Don't think that the change happens because actually you're bored or you can't do it or ask for wisdom for where you already are. If there are good options before you, do what you think you want to do. Do it with faith before God. Offer your ways to the Lord. He will establish that. He will give you grace and favor for that. But when the doors are closed, well, the first thing to say is you probably need some other people around you. Don't try and do it alone. But secondly, be aware that a whole new story might just be opening up. I'm going to ask the musicians to come back. The band. For those of you that couldn't hear, Shirley just said, can I say, wow? (laughs) Yes, you can. And as that, just as these guys play. Um, Sometimes at the end of a service, we'll pray for people. But I think there's sometimes where you go, actually, there's probably a moment that's worth taking. And for some of you, you kind of know that this is a moment where if you're in that place where it's going like, okay, God, what's, what's going on? And to have someone pray with you, they won't be able to tell you, but they will to come with you to the Father. Might just open up some doors that you didn't imagine were there. And we're going to pray. I'm going to pray generally, because I think this is good teaching that's generally true for all of us. But actually, there's a very specific moment. And I'm going to invite those of you that feel you're in a very specific moment to go and sit in the side aisle. And those folks in the prayer team will come and pray with you. Some of you will have specific responsibility for this morning. And others of you might just be around. But if you're part of the prayer team, will you go and pray with folks if they need you? If you can, I'm going to ask you to stand. Some of you need grace for the place that God has placed you in. Some of you need courage to make good decisions. And some of you need to sense what God is saying in the place of frustration. And I want to pray. Father God, I want to pray for all of us because it's different times we've all been in these situations. Times where we've not known what to do, times where we've been fearful of what to do. But Lord, today we come and we ask that you, the God of all wisdom, will give wisdom to each of us that we will know how to serve in the place we're already in. 
the Lord, we might know what you're asking of us there with our families, with our workplaces, in our responsibilities, with our friendship groups, with our uh, church. Lord, that we might serve you well there. Lord, for those of us who've got good options ahead, Lord, may we choose well for the glory of God. And Lord, I pray particularly this morning for folks who might feel really frustrated because they're not sure what might open up next. just feels like they're at a cul-de-sac and they can't work out where to go. Lord, I pray this morning that you might speak to them. Lord, the God who allowed Paul to have a dream and the rest of the gang worked out what that meant. Lord, we pray that you would come and you'd help us to discern what you're doing in our lives. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. I'm going to ask the band to, they're going to lead us in a song. And as we sing together, if you would want people to pray with you during the service, not just after the service, then do you want to make your way to the side aisle? And they'll come, folks will come and just gently pray with you. It's not heavy, they're not going to lay stuff on you, but it's like if you're genuinely at just part of this moment of your life where you're going, God, what should I do? Then it's good to have other people around you. Just go and take a seat down there and they'll come and join you and pray with you.